Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today, if you have your Bibles ready, we'll continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Genesis, chapter 9, verses 18 through 29. The title of this sermon is Uncovered and Drunk. Here is the first half of this two-part study. The the past few chapters we really have dealt and and I've talked about the obedience, the perseverance, and the righteousness of Noah. And and Noah actually standing up and not participating in the violence, the corruption, and the continual evil that was on men at the time before the flood. Uh, We know that it told us in 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 5 and it says in and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of the eight, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. And so today we're going to deal with the heartbreaking tragedy of Noah's life at the end of his life. He, he doesn't finish well. And, and, you know, unfortunately, we see this a lot nowadays. Uh, first thing I thought about was somebody like Robbie Zacharias who didn't finish well. Started well, but didn't finish well. Was Ended up in, in sexual morality and uh, just a big mess. Um, and, and so those things happen. And, and so what we want to do is, as we dive into these scriptures, we want to make sure that we know what we need to do to finish well. And so Noah... Noah, one of the things that, that Noah did is, as we ended in, in verse 17, is God is going to be the one who gives the interpretation of this scripture to Moses and share the story with him. Now, if you were an author or a writer, uh, the first thing that you would do is you would actually not include this part of the story if it was us writing the book. What would happen is we would, uh, we, would, we would skip this part because we would want to end it on a high note. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and, and righteousness. So we know that the Scripture was, was breathed out by God. And God did not end this with Noah being a super saint. He didn't, he didn't, didn't show Noah as, 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 you know, ending well. He actually shows the warts, so to say, of Noah's life. And, he, and then one of the things he does is he, he deals with the consequences of sin. 
God shares all of it, and God does that throughout the Bible. He removes the mask. You cannot hide behind hypocrisy because God will remove the mask. He revealed Abraham's lion, and David's committed adultery and tried to cover it up by having somebody murdered. He, he, even Moses, as Moses has, has happened to write out the, the, the books of the Bible, Moses' anger, he writes it out as he gets mad at the people of Israel. You have Peter's denial and Jacob deceiving his father. Samson was a womanizer and Jonah was a racist and he ran from God. And Solomon was a polygamist. And yet all these stories are in the Bible to try to help you not make the same mistakes that they made. God didn't sugarcoat it. So now we, we're going to see about Noah and Noah following God, but he unfortunately, you know, hits a roadblock. And this, is the, the, this would have been the worst moment of Noah's life, and it's shared in the Bible. Can you imagine that? Like, you know you, and you know your worst moment in life, and it would be shared. Like, God goes, no, we need to, this needs to be in the book. People need to know the consequences of sin. We see pastors fall all the time, and leaders. And, and what happens is we, we do what? In the church, we do what? We shoot the wounded. Somebody's hurt, somebody's fallen, what do we do? We kick them. Yeah, we do. We start going online when a pastor falls or something happens and all the comments start going. And a lot of times it's Christians. That's one of the things about Pastor Chuck is Pastor Chuck, when somebody fell, Pastor Chuck would be there to, hey, you can come here, you need to get healed up. You can come here and you can confess and repent of your sin and, and hopefully over time you'll bear fruit. Because that's what repentance is. Now, if you fall from a pastoral job, you should not be a pastor again. And yet, we've seen in America, we've seen pastors jump back into their positions and they, they, they've been disqualified. But Noah was a man of God. Noah was a godly leader. Noah led his family onto the ark. But Noah is going to end up uncovered and drunk. And his sin's not only going to impact him, but others. And then curse Canaan. In verse 19 it says, Now the sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, Japheth, and Ham was the father of Canaan. So the sons of Noah, and they, they play a major role. Shem uh, had been born between Japheth and Ham and Shem was listed first. Why is he listed first? He's listed first because his lineage is of Abraham, the nation of Israel, and then the Messiah comes from Shem. And we'll talk about that next week as we dive into the genealogy. But Ham is listed twice. And Ham's listed as the father of Canaan, and that's going to bring a spotlight to Ham. Ham is, is, is his descendants uh, of Canaan be, end up becoming the Canaanites. And, and they, uh, man, they were wicked, evil people. 
followed idolatry. If you want to know about the Canaanites, just look on to Sodom and Gomorrah. That's where it ends up. In verse 19, it says, These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. And so only one human race, right? This is very important for you to get. We all come from this lineage, right? So we're all part of one human race. And so the church should not be racist. I'm Reuben's brother. We're family. Somewhere down the line, we're family. I know we don't look like it, but he's from Shem, Ham, or Japheth, and I am too. We have to remember that. Because it says, from, from these the whole earth was populated. The whole earth. And it says the descendants of Shem, they, they actually were the, the, uh, the, the Jews and the Arabs. That's the region that they, they had. The descendants of Ham, they were the Middle East and Egypt, Southern Arabia, parts of Africa. My descendants would have been Japheth, the Indo-Europeans. That's where our family comes from, right? Has anybody ever done their, their DNA to see all that stuff? I know the government has that stuff now. I think my mama did hers, and, and we, we ended up in some small little part in Ireland and, and somewhere in, in France, between France and uh, I forget what country it was. So I'm, I, when I look at this, I go, yeah, I'm from Japheth. I know that. But we, we, we all come from the same families, these three families. And so when you see the news start playing the race card, stop it. Don't get involved in that. Don't get involved in that. You know, it's, it's important for us to understand that, that, you know, it's, that's what the enemy wants. It's for us to look at each other and go, there's a difference between us and to hold that against the other person. And that's not what we are as Christians. We're to be known by our love for one another. That's how we are to be known. Now we're not sure if Ham grows up to resist his father. We're not sure why Ham was listed twice here yet, but we'll find out why. But yet we see that, that, that Ham is going to be a problem as we get into the Scripture. Now we have to deal with the sin of Noah. And, and, and the sad part is, is Noah's sin actually affects other people. And causes them to sin. And it says that Noah became to be a farmer and he planted a vineyard. So Noah actually cultivated the land. And then for, for whatever reason he grew grapes to eat and to drink to make wine. And there are some that say that because of the atmospheric change that's in the, the earth now. That's why they didn't get drunk before. That's not true. Do not believe the theology. There's nothing that supports that. It says, Then he drank of the wine. Now the first time we see the wine mentioned in the Bible and it's correlated and attached to sin. This is important for us as we look at this because the question that every Christian, and that's probably the number one question that pastors get asked most 
And also when you go to a youth retreat, can I drink? Can I smoke weed? Can I do mushrooms? They're legal. Well, there's nothing wrong with wine. And there's truth in that because the scripture tells us that. And that's what we have to go by. There's two problems here that we'll see with the truth of wine. The first is, the truth is that you are not to be drunk of wine. Right? Because when you become a drunkard, that's when you fall into sin. You've had too much wine. And that's the same thing with weed. That's the same thing with, with mushrooms. If you're, if you're messing with your, your mind and you turn off those inhibitors, you, you're high, you're drunk, whatever. And it's easier for you to fall into sin. And can we drink wine? Well, the Bible never forbids us drinking wine. Why? Because Jesus made wine. Right? In John chapter 2, verses 7 through 9, it says, Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made uh, wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew the, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. Jesus served wine at the Lord's Supper. Matthew 26, verse 27. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. Jesus passed it to the disciples. And he'll, he'll, he didn't have any more then, but he'll drink it when he gets to the kingdom of God. Right in Mark chapter 14, verse 25, Assuredly I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until the day that I, when I drank it in the new kingdom of God. We know that wine is a blessing from God. In Deuteronomy 14, 26, And you shall spend that money for whatever your heart desires, for oxen, for sheep, or sheep, for wine or similar drink, for whatever your heart desires, you shall eat there before the Lord our God, and you rejoice, you and your household. It's poured out as an offering in Numbers verses 28, verse 7. And, a drink, and, and his drink offering shall be one-fourth of him for each lamb. In a holy place you shall pour out the drink to the Lord as an offering. Now there's plenty of scripture to justify wine or alcohol. And people will argue about this all the time. And it's sad because I see people who have more interest in this one question than they do about anything else in the Bible. Can I drink? And they want a definitive answer. And the definitive answer comes from you and God. If you've been convicted, then you shouldn't be doing it. Verse 21, it, it, it says that uh, in that verse it says, Then he drank wine and he was drunk and he became uncovered in his tent. So we see there's an effect from him drinking. He had too much. Right? He didn't stop drinking. He was under the influence and became naked. He was beyond himself. 
He had no control over the alcohol. And now he's in sin. And this is the thing that you'll remember of Noah. And I can tell you from being, growing up with an alcoholic, growing up with a generation of petites that were alcoholics, my grandmother and my grandfather, that's all they did on the weekend was drink. My dad. My dad was an alcoholic until I was 18 years old. And not a happy one. That's when all of his feelings and emotions would come out when the alcohol was poured. So when I read, and it's very important when you read this, this scripture, is that you catch the whole thing in Ephesians chapter 5. Because a lot of times what we'll do is we want to read and focus on that one piece in verse 18 and do not be drunk with the wine in which is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit. You need to read to verse 15. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says, See that when you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine and dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit. Alcohol is a stimulant. It is a narcotic. It affects the brain. And people lose control when they use it. And it's the same thing with marijuana. Because marijuana is not the marijuana from the 60s. Marijuana, the THC levels are so high that people are getting addicted to marijuana today. That's never happened. The THC levels are, are, are up in the hundreds. And they're getting addicted to this stuff. And I don't know how you walk with God and, and know the will of God if you're drunk or high. Now, for me, it's a no-brainer. I have a conviction. Now, I can't put that conviction on you. For me, it's a no-brainer. I, I know that if I drink, Lord help y'all. Because I'll be gone. I, it'll take me forever to crawl out the bottle. I watched my brothers. It took Richie going to jail to get sober. And that, that's after an alcoholic father spent many years trying to minister to him to try to get him to stop. In Isaiah verse 5, verse 22, it says, Woe to mighty men at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink. He gives them the woe because what was happening during the time of Isaiah is they, the judges and all the people of the city were drinking and having fun and they were doing all these bribes and all this corruption. Why? Because they were drunk. There, that, that, that veil was not there. They just were able to do whatever they wanted to do. You lose control. We had a, a, a I don't know if it was the congressman or the head of the house of, of Texas. He was, he was drunk. Slurring his words at the, now either that or he was having a medical condition. But apparently they got a bar in Texas and, and Austin. Why? 
Many times we've seen Miss Pelosi and we know she's in the bag. We can see it. And yet all these deals are being done and the corruption is being done and the bribes are being done and it's all circled around alcohol. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. See, for me, it was never a no-brainer. I've never drunk in my life. Because I saw the effect of it. Now, that had nothing to do with Mike. It was just seeing the impact as a young kid. And, and let me tell you something. When I, when I know what I know is my father put us in situations that we should have never been in. I drove at 12 years old because my father was drunk and needed to get back home. And I had two kids in the car with me, my sisters. And I, I'm not talking a little distance. I couldn't reach the pedals. And that was my dad's brilliant idea. As he says, do as I say, not as I do. Living in a beach town, my father drunk many times in that boat, was drunk driving that boat home. For me, it was no brainer. I never drunk, I didn't drink. Even as I came to Christ, I was not an alcoholic. I didn't want nothing to do with it. It's a conviction that I have. I've shared this story with y'all before. If somebody that you, I, I had somebody, we were going to meet this new pastor, and we were out in, uh, I forget the name of the town, but we were meeting the, some of the board members. And one of the guys decided, I'm going to have a drink. He had a beer right in front of me. You have to understand, I don't like alcohol at all. At all. But he does not know that. Okay? I cannot put my conviction on him. Now, if he starts becoming a drunkard, we got problems. Because you're on the board of this church. And we need to talk. Because you don't have control of your alcohol. He had one beer, that was it. But see how easy it is for us to put our convictions what we have going on in our hearts onto somebody else. So if you have a glass of wine in front of me, you have a beer, it's not going to bother me. I wouldn't put that conviction on you. It's my conviction. But I truly believe that when, when God gives it to somebody not to drink or not to get high or not to do those mushrooms, you already know what you're supposed to do. You need to stop asking the question, can I drink? Because you're trying to see how close you can get to the line. So here's the question I have for you. If, if I have your favorite plate, what's your favorite dish? Kirk, what's your favorite dish? What you want? Steak? Ribeye steak? Mashed potatoes? Or what you want? Baked potato. Reuben, yours? Tacos? Rice? Beans? Quart? Raviolis. Fried green tomatoes, anything on the side, nothing? Micah. 
Was it pizza lasagna? Oh man, I would eat either one of those. Okay, now I want you to think about your favorite dish. And you go to take that first bite and your fork goes into it. And you pull out a long hair. Now, are you gonna stop eating? Or are you gonna try to work your way around the hair? Because that's the question you're asking. Because see, if, if you wanna to try to get as close to the sin, what do you do? The, the plate is defiled, right? The plate's defiled. Would you eat? I, I can't eat. I'd have to get, and Teresa see me. I have walked away. Once there's a hair in it, I'm done. We got nothing else to say. Give me the check, I'm out. Because I, I just can't do it. But that's what happens when we're trying to flirt with the line of, can I drink? If God's already given you the conviction, you have the answer already. The Holy Spirit's giving it to you. If you're a follower of Christ, you already know. Can you have a glass of wine? Now, if you have a glass of wine and this, you, this is your glass, you, that, you know, you, you got to rethink that, right? Because that's a bottle of wine. That's not a glass of wine, right? But then we get into the, well, how many beers is too much? These are all the questions we get as pastors. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 